when it's like, well, no, that's not your lane to run in. That's not your calling. That's not your identity. And, you know, during that time, it was really a good, uh, I had a lot of time to actually kind of dig deep and go, okay, what does it really mean to have an identity in Christ? Because I really cannot do anything right now. So what does it mean to, when we talk about having an identity in Christ and having to be okay with kind of the being and not the doing, what does that look like? What does it mean when it's, okay, I'm, I'm, the head and not the tail, you know, greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, you know, I'm the righteousness of Christ. I'm, you know, so what does all of this really look like? And so, yeah, I mean, the Lord really, really showed me that, you know what, Karen, if you don't ever do anything ever for me again, grand scale, small scale, whatever, are you going to be okay with just being with me? Thanks for listening to the Say So podcast. My guest today is Karen Harmon. She's a wife, a homeschooling mom, a worshiper, and a physical therapist. But above all these labels, she's a follower of Christ. Listen as she shares how a severe physical limitation thrust her into a crisis of faith and how she was able to thank God not only in the midst of the trouble, but actually thanked him for the trouble. Have you found yourself in your own crisis of faith? When you listen to Karen, can you hear your own story through hers? Find out the practical ways she went from a crisis of faith to confidence in faith. I thank God for Karen and her natural ability to effectively communicate what some people are feeling but can't put words to. I pray that her story blesses you and that you gain practical tools for your own faith kit. This is one of those episodes you don't want to keep to yourself. Please share it with a friend. They need to hear it too. Settle in. Here we go. Welcome to the Say So Podcast. I'm your host, Jeannie Terry. Today I have with me a very special guest, and her name is Karen Harmon. Hey, Karen, welcome to the Say So Podcast. Hi, Jeannie. It's so good to be here with you. Thank you. I have to start by asking you, and it's the state of affairs that's going on right now in the world, what is going on where you live as far as uh, anything COVID-19 related, as far as social distancing, uh, stores closing, etc.? Yeah, it seems like that's the hot topic right now. Um, well, currently we are in, what is it called? Is it quarantine or I don't even know, isolation, whatever the, the real term is. But our local schools are all closed until um, the beginning of April. A lot of our local businesses, I'm here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area in Texas, just for context sake. But a lot of our small businesses are closed, even some of our larger businesses are closed. Um, of course, they're still providing delivery and, you know, takeout and all of that stuff or drive through service. But yeah, it's been a little bit um, of a crazy time. It's unprecedented for as long as I can remember in my 42 years on this earth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nothing like this. I've never seen anything like it. But thankfully, um, you know, we have a great neighborhood, a great area. So the kids have been getting outside and playing and My husband's been working from home, and that's honestly been kind of a blessing. As a stay-at-home mom, it's nice to kind of have someone else here (laughs) that's an adult to talk to during the day. So we're making the most of it. It's been good. That is good. I like how you're making the most of it. I was that was my next question is how are you coping? I know everyone has a different situation they're going through. I think some people are happy to be home. I've heard people say, you know, this is just a reset for our family and this is our chance to get closer together. But then I've also heard of 
families that are going through um, some grief and some loss for various reasons within their families. And they want nothing to do with the home. They want to be out and about to get their minds off things and to get a breath of fresh air. Have you heard anything like that? Well, yeah. I mean, it's definitely been one or the other, right? And I really think it depends on your personality and also just what your everyday looked like before all of this quarantine stuff. Um, for me personally, I'm, I think what they consider an ambivert where I tend to be an extrovert, but also have introvert tendencies. So because I'm already a stay at home homeschooling mom, it's, I mean, I'm kind of used to being home. I think the hardest part has been just everything else being canceled, like any nights out or any church activities, sporting activities, Um, different things we had going on at the church. And so my time to actually kind of be out and see people and like have a conversation with another human being face to face. Like those are the things I think for me personally that I'm, you know, quote unquote grieving or a loss, if you will. But I'm also of the mentality that I love to just make the most of anywhere that I'm at. And so honestly, it's been kind of nice to be like, you know what? Like, I don't have to feel bad about saying no to things that I don't want to do anymore. I can just be like, oh, sorry, COVID-19, you know, we can't be within six feet of each other. I feel like, I feel, I agree. It's given us an out. It really, it really has. And honestly, I know that sounds terrible to, to some people, but, you know, in a way though, like I said, there's nothing we can do about it. It is what it is. It's been government mandated. Right. And as a medical professional as well, it is socially responsible for us to do this yes. um, for people that are, you know, at more of a risk as well as just slowing down um, the rate at which it is spreading, um, which we know now, factually speaking, you know, there's just a lot that we don't know about the disease. And so it is important that we just do what we know to do and our part and what we can do. And to me, it's like, you know what, if we've made a bigger deal out of it than it needs to be, then I'd rather err on that side right. um, than it not be a bigger deal. Now, that's not to say, obviously, you know, people that might be listening that have small businesses yeah, um, or jobs where they can't work from home or even now their children are at home full time and they're either having to work with them, you know, running around or they're having to go to work and try to find somebody to watch these kids as well as enforce them, you know, doing this online and e-learning school and Google classroom and, you know, all the other stuff that's going on. So I do understand that even though I know it seems like, Oh, we're doing great and we're doing fine. I do understand that there's also children that are going without meals that rely on those school meals. And I know here in DFW, we actually have some schools that are opening for breakfast and lunch to provide those specific students with meals and with food. So they can actually go get their food, Um, at those designated schools. And so we're doing what we can as a community um, to help, you know, those that this isn't hitting well with, you know, because there are those that are less fortunate than us and those that rely on some of those, those government programs. And so I honestly, I'm really, really proud of our city and our community. Our church community has stepped up, our friend community and our, you know, kind of inner circle has stepped up. We're you know, running errands and doing grocery shopping and doing what we can for some of our elderly neighbors or those that are immunocompromised. Um, you know, we've got friends that are in surgeries. I, mean, I have a friend right now who's in surgery. Um, you know, we're going to be there for her and her family as much as we can in the midst of all of this. And so, you know, I think that all we can do as believers, especially is to be the hands and feet of Jesus, mm-hmm. keeping that six foot distance, of course, person, <laughs> yeah, you know, and all of that, but still be able to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And I think that's the beauty of this social media age and this this technological age we live in is 
the upside of this and the benefit of this is that we don't have to be isolated because we have means of communication that we didn't have, you know, back mm. in the olden days, if you will. Yeah. And so I think making the most of that um, will be huge. And those people that do feel isolated um, and feel alone and that are grieving, there's ways to reach out. You know, there's ways to stay connected. There's ways, um, you know, to do those things. So. I like what you said. And what I... Okay, I'm going to say what I appreciate about this. And some people might say, you appreciate, there's something you appreciate about this. Well, yes, <laughs> what I appreciate about this is I live in Florida and this is like hurricane central. I don't know if you've ever been in a hurricane or had to prep for a hurricane, but when once, so hurricane prepping is kind of similar to the COVID-19 prepping I don't know why toilet paper became such a huge deal, but yes, we do stock up on provisions, you know, toilet paper, whatever. If we're, if we're hunkering down and staying in the area, there's things we're going to get. Um, but we know almost for sure that once this hurricane comes through, there's no internet, there's no phone, there's no nothing. So we are, talk about social isolation, Right. That is the one of the epitomes, and I'm imagining tornadoes and other type of disasters are similar. But if we're calling this a disaster, I thank God right now that I'm able to talk to you during it, and there still is socialization in different ways. You don't have to be face-to-face, and you can reach out. I mean, I'm looking at your Facebook um feed right now and you are you're being the hands and feet of Jesus online you're saying hey does anyone have extra Similac there's a woman who can't find formula for her babies you just mentioned about the school meals you're asking you're reaching out and saying if your kids are going to go hungry without a school meal message me right so I that's what I am appreciative of right now is that we still have this media platform to be able to still be the hands and feet from a distance so to speak Exactly. And I think that's the key is making the most of where we're at, you know, and that's, and that's biblical, right? In Ephesians, it tells us to do that, to make the most of every season. And I think that we have an opportunity as the body of Christ, more than we've ever had before to be that hands and feet of Jesus and to actually show his love and um, show his joy and his happiness in the midst of devastation to a lot of people. And there's, there's a legit fear, you know, going around and there's a legit panic that's going around. And now we're able to kind of go, okay, I'm going to show you what I believe and what I, what I believe to be true is that perfect love casts out fear. You know, what I believe to be true is that fear cannot overtake me because I have power, love and a sound mind, you know? And and Mm -hmm. so we're able to kind of do that to our neighbors, even if it is over social media, even if Mm -hmm. it is over text, if it is over email, we have the ability to spread peace. We have the ability to spread kindness. We have the ability to spread the good news of Jesus more so now to a receptive audience than ever before. And to really assure them that, you know what, God's got this. It's going to be okay. It will come back around. He's not going to let us go. He's, his hand is not off of us. He right. is still on the throne. Yes. It is all still good. So what can I still do here on this earth to make a difference, to show his love to others? I, I like how you put that. What can I still do? Because there is something that we can do, whether or not we choose to believe it. I, I, I can think of so many countless times in the Bible where you know, God asked someone to do something like, not me, God, why me? Why do you think I'm good for this? I'm not capable. I'm not able. And it was, and God was like, I, I didn't ask you if you were talented enough or rich enough or smart enough. I just asked you if you will. So what can we do? 
That's right. It's all about just being willing. It's all about just having open hands. It doesn't matter what you have, what you don't have, you know, your social status, your financial ability, none of that, you know, how many followers you have, none of that matters in the currency of the kingdom. But what does matter is your heart. And what does matter is how you're willing to love the people around you. And, you know, like I said already, that that to me, I'm excited about that. I know that sounds crazy in this time period that we have because people are dying, people are hurting. So I want to be careful when I use that word excited, but I'm excited in the fact that I feel like we can really, really expand the kingdom of God and really show the love of Jesus like we never had before. I love it. And you know what, Karen, I haven't even introduced you because I am just... (laughs) utterly beside myself right now that I am am even getting this opportunity to speak to you and share you with other people. And I know that your story is going to bless somebody that's listening. But before we get to your story, would you please just take a moment to introduce us to you and your sweet family? (laughs) I sure will. I'm Karen Harvin. We live down here in the Dallas-Fort Worth um, area. My husband, Lee, and I have been married for, let's see, hmm, almost... (laughs) 16 years, and we have three children, two girls. Abby is almost 13, Sophie is nine, and little Aiden is 17 months old. I primarily stay home and homeschool them, but I also am a physical therapist, and I work on call as well as actually own my own practice providing mobile and concierge services to people where they either come to me at my home or I travel to them at their homes and offices and gyms. Um, And then I also do a little bit of some writing and some speaking um, on the side and time permitting. And so (laughs) it's been a fun life. It's, it's a very fulfilled life is what I like to say. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We're busy, but we're intentional and um, we are just loving where the Lord has us right now in the season that we're in. So I've got to ask you, I did not know that you owned your own physical therapy practice. I knew that you were on call physical therapist. But tell me about this mobile concierge service, and I'm yeah. assuming you're being impacted by this uh, this social distancing. Yeah, so this is actually pretty recent, probably within the last six months. So I haven't really, you know, blasted it on social media or really made a huge deal about it because it's still kind of getting up off the ground, and the Lord has already been so faithful, and we've had a lot of patients and clients, and um, I haven't really had a lot of marketing done yet, but basically... Um, about a year ago, you know, I started to realize healthcare was just changing and I wasn't getting called in to my outpatient physical therapy job like I used to. When I say I work on call, I typically go in when we have therapists on vacation or, you know, they're sick or, you know, something like that. I usually get a call to come in, but because of the nature of healthcare lately, I just wasn't getting called. Like they were either just canceling those patients or they were trying to redirect them to other therapists and So I was kind of getting to a place where I was a little frustrated. Um, And then, of course, having the baby, I wasn't able to kind of get out and work as much. And I really, really enjoy being a physical therapist. I really, really enjoy helping people get back to their function and live in their ultimate potential and and all of those things. And so I just started praying and seeking God of what I could do um, and kind of be creative in my calling, if you will, because it wasn't kind of being fulfilled the way I was wanting it to be. And the Lord just opened these doors and brought people in my life to kind of help me see that, you know, this is a new wave of healthcare that's coming through providing concierge services. I'm sure you've heard of concierge doctors and telehealth and all of this stuff. And it's really just kind of coming through where people are like, you know what, I would rather you come to me or I come to you in your home and get this personalized one-on-one care. 
and we do not take insurance. Um, but the beauty of that is by the time you end up seeing me, I usually can get you better a, lo- a lot quicker than, than a clinic can a lot of times because, you know, you're not with eight other people. I'm right. literally with you one-on-one. And so we're able to kind of talk through some things, ask questions, and just really make your medical care and your rehab um, very specific to you. And so it's just been amazing. I've loved the people I've gotten to meet and work with, and the Lord has just done some amazing things. And the beauty of it is it isn't just a career and, and you know, a source of income. It's also been a part of my ministry. And that more than anything has been the biggest blessing. So I, I like that. Just uh, bless people where you're at, bloom where you're planted and just help where you can. I like that. I would uh, like to hear more about the success of your business. Congratulations on that. Thank you. So uh, real quick, Karen and I met back in March of 2018 at East Coast Christian Center. Karen was the guest speaker at our Women's Flourish Conference. And I was lucky enough to pick you up at the airport and be sort of an assistant to you while you're in town for this event. And I remember that you shared with me that you were pregnant, as in just found out (sighs) you were pregnant and not feeling so hot pregnant. Do you remember this? Yeah, you guys, actually, your pastor, your staff, all of you that helped out with the conference, you were actually one of the first (laughs) to know that I was even pregnant because it was a surprise. And um, anyway, all that to say, when I came to speak, I think I was like six or seven weeks pregnant. So I like the the sickness had like just hit me. (laughs) I mean, I don't even know how I would have been in your situation. I, I might've been like, uh, yeah, I'd rather not puke on stage. So I might have to back out of this one, but you didn't, you were there. I was there. I was determined. I was like, you know what? You know, this was not planned. This was not part of the deal. But I remember I called Jessica and Sarah and, you know, your other organizers. And I was like, listen, you guys aren't going to believe this, but you know, we ha- we're not telling anybody yet, but I feel like I owe this to you because, you know, if I get sick or, something happens or, you know, I I can't eat this. And, you know, I was just trying to be like, I'm not being a diva, but I'm pregnant and I just can't (laughs) eat some things and like all this stuff. And so you guys were so gracious. I honestly, it felt like family to be with you guys because I had known Jessica and Sarah for a couple of years before that, and then getting to meet you. And it felt like an immediate connection of the heart. And it was just so awesome. The Lord was so gracious in that because honestly, it did feel like being with family um, with all of you at ECCC. So it was really fun. That's awesome. I'm glad that we were able to provide some comfort while you're away from your family (laughs) and not feeling so hot. And no wonder you've done so many amazing things. Like you said, you are determined. And speaking of which, you were, I believe, writing and traveling with Propel Women, which was founded by Christine and Nick Kane. And can you tell our listeners what Propel is and how you became involved in Propel? Yeah. And so let's see, gosh, trying to think how long ago it was, maybe 2015 or something is when Propel actually started. But Propel Women, like you said, was founded by Nick and Christine Kane, and it is a ministry that encourages and equips the passion, purpose, and potential in every woman, regardless of what season she's in, how old or young, single, married, um, kids, no kids. It's really just to encourage that leadership potential in women. And so there is an online ministry that um, they provide a free weekly newsletter that you can just go to propelwomen.org and sign up for it. And it'll come straight to your inbox for free. And it's just encouraging articles and things like that. 
And then Propel also has several live events through the year, um, typically more so in the fall season where they go around across the country and just provide a one day live event that just is just like a power packed, encouraging um, time to help you just kind of have some momentum in your life and really just encourage you where you're at to go out and be all that you can be for the kingdom of God. And then we also have leadership summits um, that are earlier in the year that focuses more on leadership training and things like that. And then there's also preaching and teaching workshops that um, Chris puts on as well as a specific day of ministry um, that's designed for women that are actually in ministry. So Propel kind of has its fingers in a lot of things, and it's been such a life-changing, life-giving thing for me where I felt like, wow, that even though I'm a stay-at-home mom, I still have all these other things that God has called me to, and I have all these other passions. And so I never really felt like I fit in like this one mold of women's ministry. You know, I think a lot of times women in the church, we can kind of just gravitate to like, okay, well, I'm a stay-at-home mom, so I'm going to go to this life group, or, oh, I'm a working mom, so it's harder for me to get connected, or, oh, I work from home, and I have my own business, and I'm an entrepreneur, and so it's hard for me to kind of do. So it's like we put each other in like these little cliques, and what I love about Propel is that it brings women from all backgrounds, all ethnicities, um, young, old, all of it together, and we also have curriculum for small groups, Um, and it's the Propel Women curriculum. You can get on that website as well, and that has taken off where, you know, we provide this curriculum for women to meet once a month or twice a month, whatever they want to do. And it's quick, it's easy, there's no homework. So if you're busy or, you know, those kind of things, you don't have to worry about like not having what you need when you come. And we've just seen God do some amazing things. I think Propel's like in over 80 some odd countries as we have Propel groups. And so the Lord's been doing a mm. lot of amazing things through his women um, with Propel. So. Yeah, I love that it's international like that. Um, and like you said, I've done the Propel curriculums and they're just chock full of encouragement. And, and like you said before, how Propel Women equips and empowers women in their leadership role. And I like how it said that as Christians, we're all called to lead, you yes. know, we're all called to lead others to Christ. So I think Propel Women really hits it on the head when they talk about leadership. I think some women feel like I'm not a leader. And it's like, well, well who says you're not? Who told you you're not a leader? Exactly. Because when Jesus left this earth, he commissioned you to be a leader in whatever role that you're in. So I love that. I love it. I love it too. So Karen, I heard that um, you're, you had a podcast episode on the Don't Mom Alone podcast, and you discussed how your daughters were getting older and they were becoming more independent and you had uh, support of your family to begin working and traveling with Propel Women. And you had some speaking engagements lined up for 2018, which one, which was us. Yes. And you'd found out you're pregnant how and how that kind of put a wrench in your plan to continue traveling and speaking. What did that feel like? And this is where we're going to start getting into your story to yeah. what did that feel like to one minute be experiencing this newfound freedom and stepping out with Propel and then learning now you're pregnant and not feeling so hot and then things started to change. What was that moment like for you? Yeah. So to put some context around it, um, in 2017, I was traveling with Propel with part of their live events, um, sitting on their panel, um, at their live events, just talking about motherhood and how I was being a leader as a mother and just talking about what success looked like as a mother. And it was just really great traveling all over the country and getting to pray with women and minister, um, to women and just take Jesus, you know, to a lot of women. 
and things were going really well. And then, so in 2018, in January, we had, I think I had about nine events lined up, including Propel, but then I had some other speaking engagements um, lined up, which of course, one of you, one of it was you guys. So um, we were kind of on this track of like, okay, God, I guess you're opening all of these doors. I'm just going to start walking into it because honestly, the plan was to never be a speaker or to even be a writer. Um, when I had heard about Propel, Christine and I were actually traveling together um, with a different nationally touring women's conference. And I was part of the worship team and she was one of the speakers. And that's actually how we built our relationship was, was being on this tour together. And so when she had told me about Propel, I was like, yes, I'm all in. Let me know what I can do. And in my head, I was like, I will bring your coffee. You know, I'll drive you to it from the airport. I will help seat speakers. You know, like I'm thinking like, you know, behind the scenes, I'm your girl. Like I love behind the scenes stuff. That is kind of like my jam. And so I'm thinking that's what she's talking about. And then when she calls me and she's like, okay, Karen, I want you to write an article and then you're going to be on stage and this is what you're going to do. And, and I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. What's your coffee order? Like that's, that's kind of I'm like, no, no, I don't speak. I don't write. No, no, no. I don't like doing that. Like the only thing I do off of the stage is like, I love to, to lead worship. And even that I like to be the one that's kind of just the background vocalist. I don't like to be the one that's actually doing the leading. And so it was just really funny. She saw some things in me that I didn't see in myself and, and really pulled those out in me. And so when 2018 came around and all these speaking engagements were opening up, I was like, Oh, so I kind of reluctantly walked in obedience to what the Lord was asking me to do saying yes to all of these speaking things. And so then finding out that we were pregnant about a month into 2018 and to put context around that, I was 40. This was not part of the plan. Like I walked into the doctor's office and I was like, I'd like my money back. Like this wasn't supposed to happen. (laughs) Like it was like a real big shock. And besides the speaking engagements, like you said, you know, and I think every mom can understand this when your kids get to the certain age and you start to feel this freedom, you know, they're wiping themselves, they're eating themselves, they're dressing themselves. There's just a freedom that comes along with that. And we kind of had reached that point. And now like to have to go back to the baby stage was really, was mentally very hard for me to grasp. And then also there was a physical component. I battle three autoimmune diseases. And so it's actually, it was actually really dangerous for me to get pregnant again, as well as dangerous for the baby. And so that's why we thought we were doing everything we needed to to not make that happen. But you know, God's God. And he was like, no, this is, this is part of my plan. So besides the loss of freedom, besides having to, you know, kind of redirect and cancel some of these speaking engagements, there was also a physical thing. And so I did go through this crisis of faith, if you will. Um, and it's not something I'm proud of, but looking back now, two years later, I am so grateful for it because on the other side of this, I see what God has done in me and what God has done through me because of this crisis of faith that I had gone through. Um, but because I was unexpectedly pregnant because of the way that I am, I did not handle it very well. I had always been a Christian and said, you know, God, I will trust you. Take me, you know, wherever you want. I will do whatever you want, but dot, dot, dot. Right. And Mm -hmm. there's always, there was always a little bit of what I like to call a control aspect where I still trusted God, but I, I felt like I still had a little bit of control on my life. So when you're in this position now where you literally have no control, I mean, I'm pregnant. It is what it is. And now I have no control about what's going to happen and what isn't going to happen. This is what God wants. He's going to do what he wants to do. 
And I got to a place where I started becoming really angry with the Lord, uh, questioning his will. Like, why would you let this happen? One, why would you let this happen physically? Because you know how dangerous this is for me and this baby. Why would you let us go through this? Mm -hmm. And then two, why would you open all these doors of speaking and ministering and traveling something I didn't even seek, something I didn't even want, just to have them shut in my face. Mm. Because of the, the age that I was at 40, I was a high-risk pregnancy, and right. so I couldn't travel the last trimester of my pregnancy. Well, as we all know, most women's conferences and events and different things like that are in the fall. Right. Well, that was my cutoff, and so I literally had to cancel every speaking engagement I had that year, except for you guys, because you guys, your Flourish Conference was in the spring and it was so early on in my pregnancy, I could still travel. Mm. Um, But I had to cancel everything else. And so I really got to this rock bottom place of like, what are you doing, God? And I'm mad at you. And I, I remember going to church because my husband would drag me and I would sit there with my arms crossed mm. and just be like, all of this is a lie. And here's the thing, like looking back, it's like, Karen, seriously, this was it. Like you were pregnant and I want to have a caveat. And I say this on all my podcasts and here's my caveat. Like I know that there's women listening who have battled infertility. They have battled um, miscarriage. They have gone through maybe even infant loss. And so I never want my story to be something that, that causes salt in their wounds Mm -hmm. um, or pour salt and causes hurt and pain. So please hear my heart and saying that my anger and my pregnancy, I know there's some of you that are like, man, I would give anything to be pregnant. Right. But I really hope that you hear some hope and some encouragement through my story, because I do know what it feels like to be disillusioned with the Lord and not understand why he would either allow certain things to happen or not allow certain things to happen. Well, and it's not, it's not only about you being pregnant and having the three autoimmune diseases, you were fractured, you you fractured your hip, correct? Well, then that's, yeah. So that was the next part of it was, that was my first trimester going through that anger and going through that, that, you know, crisis of faith. And then by the time I got to my second trimester, the Lord had really like done something in my life and I was really at a good place mentally and emotionally. I was getting there, I should say, where I was like, you know what, Lord, I may not understand, but I'm going to trust you anyway. I know that you're good. I know you do good. So despite what it looks in the human part of this, I'm going to just trust you. I know you've got it. And so we went on vacation. Things were going really well that second trimester. And then the third trimester hit and I started having a little pain in my hip and being a physical therapist, I kind of knew like, oh, okay, this is like normal pregnancy stuff. And I was doing what I knew to do and all of that. And the pain just kept getting worse and worse and worse to the point where I could not walk. And so after going through a series of tests and and all this seeing specialists, um, I was diagnosed with a very rare condition called transient osteoporosis that only happens in four of every 1 million pregnancies. Mm. And what was happening was I was having inflammation in the bone marrow of my thigh bone, my femur. And so that inflammation in the bone marrow was actually causing these like micro fractures, like these little, almost like a stress fracture, if you will into the ball part of my hip joint. And that's Mm. what was causing so much pain. And so Mm. the surgeon at the time I had to go see this orthopedic surgeon because we really didn't know what was going on. And he's like, Karen, I've never even seen this. I'm going to have to get back with you on like what the treatment's going to be. And so I was non-weight bearing um, on my leg with crutches. And then I also with a wheelchair and here I am like in the last trimester of my pregnancy. 
And um, I remember him coming back to me and him saying, well, Karen, I don't really know like what your prognosis is other than the few studies that we have. This is what we're going to do. I'm going to collaborate with your OB. Um, you are not going to be able to deliver vaginally like originally planned. We're going to schedule a C-section because any study that we have of a woman trying to deliver with this condition either had to get a hip replacement afterwards or had to get pins and screws put in her hip. And so we're not going to even risk that. We're just going to do a C-section. And then after the C-section, it looks like you probably won't be able to walk for about six to nine months after you deliver, but that's not even a guarantee because we just don't know. Wow. And I was like, wait, what? Yeah. And the frustrating part was by the time I had gotten to that second trimester, like I was telling you, I was in this good place and this good space mentally. I was like, you know what? I'm going to be the healthiest 40 year old pregnant woman that's ever walked the earth. Like we're going to do awesome. Like this is going to be great. So it's like, I had gotten to this really great space mentally and spiritually and physically only to be knocked down again um, Mm. in that third trimester and not just knocked down temporarily, but knocked down in a way of like, are you telling me that I may never walk normally again? Like you're telling me like, wait, what? So we went through all this stuff of trying to get everything ready for after the baby, because if I couldn't walk for six to nine months after I had him, I mean, we needed help. Like I couldn't, like, who's going to carry the baby? Who's going to feed the baby? Who's going to change the diaper? Like all this stuff. So we had to start putting systems in place and different things. And it was just a really, really crazy time. But through it all, like I remember at the end of it, um, just a really quick ending to the story and then we can talk about everything else. But it ended up that I went into labor about two weeks early. And by the time I got to the hospital, it was too late to prep the OR for a C-section. And it was too late for me to get any pain medication or an epidural. So I delivered him with a broken hip vaginally (laughs) with no medication, um, which was a crazy experience. And uh, I remember the doctor like afterwards being like, well, you are the first person that we know of that's ever had this condition delivered vaginally with a healthy child, a healthy pregnancy and not damage your hip further. So you, are you in a medical journal now? I know, right? No, I'm not. Because the doctor was like, gosh, I wish we had done this case study on it, you know, because the plan was never, you know, it, we, it just didn't go according to plan. This was kind of off, like the top, like just off script, obviously, just like everything else in my life the last right. two years. But yeah, so it was so the grace of God, because honestly, while I was in labor, I had a nurse hold my leg because I'm a physical therapist. I told her exactly where I needed her to put my leg because I knew in certain positions of my joint was going to provide less stress as I was pushing. Wow. And so it was just little things like that, Jeannie, where I saw the grace of God. If I hadn't been a therapist, I wouldn't have known to tell her where to put that. And that could have likely been what saved my hip from further damage. And so all of that to say, he came out, he was fine. He's completely healthy. I was okay. A month after I had him, I actually walked into my orthopedic surgeon's office with a little bit of a limp. Obviously, I wasn't 100%, wow. but I was walking wow. into his office 30 days after I had the baby. And he was like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. And to be able to share with him, like, hey, there's this guy I know. His name is Jesus. And this is what I truly believe, you know? And he wasn't a believer. And he was like, hey, I mean, I believe it because I've never seen this. I've ne- and this is not what was supposed to happen. None of the studies we show, you know, this, this is it. So I see the hand of God through all of it. And I'm, I'm so grateful. And that's why I'm able to share this story now 
And I know it feels like we're wrapping it up in a time in this beautiful little bow, but the process of it was, was definitely life changing. Yeah. Can we go into the process? I feel like we, we missed some of that because I can imagine being a mother of two girls. Mm -hmm. Now you are incapacitated or you're on crutches. You have minimal mobility. You're on wheelchair. Like what did that feel like as a mom to, I imagine not be able to provide at the level that you were previously providing for your family? I was miserable. Like I am an achiever. I'm a doer. I felt completely useless. Like to be in a position where you, it's not just something mentally keeping you down. It is physically keeping you down. Like there is literally, I couldn't get a glass of water and walk at the same time because you can't really walk with crutches at the same time. And our house wasn't large enough to be able to have a wheelchair, you know, just at the house and you mobilize through the, with a wheelchair. And so it was a real, I had to rely on everybody for help. Thankfully, my girls are amazing. And they were a little bit older at the the time, you know, 10 and seven or six or something like that. Mm -hmm. And so they were able to help me a lot. And because we homeschool, they were, you know, home with me a lot and things like that. So all of that to say, we got through it because we had to get through it. But I promise you, it was not something that was easy. I could feel the anger rising up again. I did feel the disillusion rising up again, and it was something I had to battle. And, you know, for anybody that's followed me on social media, I was very open um, with that struggle, you know, through the whole process. And I was open with the graciousness and the beauty of God as well and his mercy and his love and his provision through it all because I wasn't able to work. Um, there was just a lot that was attached to it. It wasn't just being, not being able to be a mom and not being able to travel and not being able to sing and lead worship and do all these glamorous things, but it was also not being able to work to provide an income. It was also not being able to be a mother and cook for my children or do their laundry or take care of them or, you know, just be there for them. So I had to find other ways to be able to do that. And so I think that's the beauty of it is when we are put in a position where we can't do what we normally are able to do. And this even goes back to this whole thing that's going on right now with the pandemic. God always provides a way for us to be able to fulfill his purposes in and through us. It's just a matter of us being able to tap into what that looks like and being open to his voice. And I think that is the power of the Holy Spirit. Because he is always there talking to us and showing us and guiding us what we need to do, how we need to do it, um, why we need to do it, and give us that strength. But to go back, there was, you know, there was a lot of, you know, depression reared its ugly head again. Um, And there was a lot of things attached to that anger and, and that hardness of not being able to be all that I knew I could do and be. I feel a lot of the times, like you said, you have a doer or achiever kind of personality and you're not the only one. Um, (laughs) But I feel like it just goes back to scripture and where God is like, I didn't call you to do. I called you to be my child. You number one are a child of God. And I feel like sometimes our identities get wrapped up in what we're doing, how we're performing, how we're underperforming. And we are just measuring ourselves against this stick that I don't know who gave us this stick. Right. And, and we need to throw the stick down and just remember who we are in Christ 
and that we're not called to just do, 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 go from thing to thing to thing. And while, yes, a moment ago, we just talked about put your love in action and reach out to the hurting and to the lost, but at the same time, not measure ourselves against this like imaginary stick and beat ourselves and then beat ourselves up with that same stick that we just tried to measure ourselves against. Right. Because I think a lot of the doing comes because we're, we're comparing yes. and we're going, well, she's doing this and she's doing that. Oh, I should be doing this and I should be doing that. When it's like, well, no, that's not your lane to run in. That's not your calling. That's not your identity. And, you know, during that time, it was really a good, um, I had a lot of time to actually kind of dig deep and go, okay, what does it really mean to have an identity in Christ? Because I really cannot do anything right now. So what does it mean to, when we talk about having an identity in Christ and having to be okay with kind of the being and not the doing, what does that look like? What does it mean when it's okay, I'm, I'm the head and not the tail, you know, greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, you know, I'm the righteousness of Christ. I'm, you know, so what does all of this really look like? And so, yeah, I mean, the Lord really, really showed me that, you know what, Karen, if you don't ever do anything ever for me again, grand scale, small scale, whatever, are you going to be okay with just being with me? Mm. And I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> he's basically asking me, is he enough mm. for me? And oh, wow, did that open my eyes? Yes, Lord, you are, you are enough for me. And that's really the place I had to get to. And I think that speaks to people who, I, I hear a lot of this going around lately, you're enough. I'm enough. You are enough. You are worthy. And it's like, no, uh, no, we're not. <laughs> we're not enough. God's enough. You know, yes, he, and, and, and his, I'll get on my soapbox on that. <laughs> please, please. I'll, I'll shut up. Please tell me what's your soapbox. No, no. no. no, no. I'm, I'm like, I'm soapboxing you. Like, yes, keep talking. <laughs> I, I do think that, you know, you, gotta be, you tread lightly, right? Because that is a big message that's out there right now. But I don't believe that. Like you said, I don't believe that we're enough. And I believe that that thinking and that mentality is extremely damaging to women because then we're just like, wait, I'm doing all this stuff. I'm, you know, blah, blah, blah. Why don't I feel like I'm doing enough? Like Mm -hmm. there's never a point where we get to where we're like, we're enough because we were never meant to be enough. Right. Jesus in us, Jesus through us, Jesus with us. He is enough, yes. but we're not. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Greater yes. is he, yes. not greater is me. Yeah. And so when we live in that mentality of like, okay, he is enough through me and for me and with me, then all of a sudden we're looking at life a little bit differently. And we take the pressure off of us because it's not about us. I am not enough to be the best mom to my children. Mm, but the mm-hmm. Holy Spirit in me and guiding me and showing me um, and teaching me and convicting me, he is enough to provide for what my children need. And I think that when we change our mentality that way, we stop comparing, we stop looking around, we stop having this mentality that we're never um, going to measure up. Or, mm-hmm. I just think there's so much attached and so much damaging um, information out there when we start saying that, you know, oh, you're enough, honey. You've got everything you need within you. No, you don't. Right. Right. <laughs> the Holy Spirit does. Yes. He is greater in you and he's got everything that you need, but you better be tapping into him um, to be able to fulfill everything that, right. um, that he wants for you. I like that. And as you were speaking, I was looking up uh, the scripture where it says in second Corinthians 12, eight through 10, 
It says, he said, he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. And for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, mm-hmm. most gladly, I will boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then he is, then I am strong. Yes. And we quote that last part and don't read the part before it. Yes. Right. Taking pleasure in a broken hip. Taking pleasure in having to cancel all my 2018 activities. And I feel like that speaks to someone listening because that's COVID-19. That's got it written all over it. We're all having to cancel things. We're, we're not right. in this alone. Everyone is feeling lost to different degrees. Absolutely. Oh, definitely. And that's to your point about the whole praise aspect the the one thing that helped me get through it if you want to go kind of into the practical side of things because I think a lot of times we hear all this stuff we're like hey that's great Karen um but how does that apply to me like what did you do to even get there and so I kind of want to bring this down to kind of the grassroots if you will and just talk about some practical things that that I did to kind of help me get through it yes and one of them I'm going to start with a concept that might be a little bit harder to understand But I have a pastor friend um, that is just so dear to us and our family. And I went to go see him because in this third trimester with all the stuff going on, because I have battled depression in the past, because I dealt with anxiety and anger and different things, I went to him for, for a counseling session, if you will, and just kind of shared with him my heart and what I was going through, kind of seeking some, some biblical counseling and some biblical advice. And I remember him saying to me, I know Karen, that this is going to be a little crazy. But if we really believe what Romans 8, 28 says, that all things work together for good for those who love the Lord, then we have to believe that what you're going through right now, this broken hip, this loss of independence, this, you know, stripping of everything that you know and everything that you are, um, that has to be for a reason. And ultimately he will use it for his glory and for his good and even for your good. So because we know that, because we believe what Romans 8, 28 says, then honestly, I think we should praise him. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'll praise him when I'm on the other side of this. Sure, I will give him all the glory when he's got me through this. I will praise him. And he's like, no, 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 no. I want you to praise him, not just at the end of it. I want you to praise him for where you're at now. But I also want you to praise him for what you're going through. Mm. And I was like, hold the phone. Mm. And he's like, well, let's talk about Acts, right? You mean Paul and Silas praising him in the prison, you know, blah, blah, blah. I was like, sure, yeah, I can do that. I can praise him in the prison. Sure. Okay. That I got. But you're telling me to praise him for the broken hip? Praise him for stripping me of everything that I know and love and all of my passions? Are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. And he's like, just try it. And I thought, you know what, what else am I going to do? And because I'm that achiever and because I'm the doer, I was like, fine, great. He gave me an assignment. It's something for me to actually do, something to work on. You know, okay, great. I'm going to do it. I have an activity. Exactly. I have something on my to-do list. So it seriously was that exciting to me. You were just trying to check off a box. Exactly. Exactly. So I was like, I can do that. So I did. And, you know, at first it was lip service because I didn't believe it. Like, who believes? Like, thank you, Lord, for this broken hip. Like, what? Mm -mm. But I did. I started saying that. I was like, thank you, Lord, for blah, 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 blah. Thank you, Lord, for blah, 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 blah. And before I knew it, I actually started believing it because the more I said it, 
the more I believed it. And that's all through scripture. You look at Proverbs, you look at James, it talks about the meditations of our mouth, what we think in our hearts, what we say out loud. Um, all of those things have such their power. The tongue has a power of life and death. Like what we say um, in his presence is fullness of joy. There, mm. There is joy even yeah. attached to it, you know, when we praise him. And so there's all these things that come with it. And, you know, I got to tell you, Jeannie, at the end of it and getting through it, I attribute that to what my friend told me that day. You gotta keep you gotta crazy. keep that pastor friend around. I know, right? He's amazing. <laughs> I love him. <laughs> when you were talking, I was thinking about James one, two to four. Consider it joy when you encounter various trials, knowing that yeah. the testing of your faith produces endurance. Let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Exactly. And I take it back to when you said you had a crisis of faith. So let's continue to go into what you did practically for listeners who are like, okay, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Uh, I, I speak over myself. I, I spoke Romans 8.28 um, right. until I actually believed it. But were there other things that you did or was this just like positive self-talk? Yeah, no, that was just one aspect. Um, the other thing was I had to get into his presence. And I talked about that a little bit earlier, but getting into his presence um, was very hard for me because of the anger that I felt. And so a lot of times getting into his presence was just YouTubing worship. And I'm a worship leader. It's not like I lack for any worship music around me or on my <laughs> iTunes or whatever. I know where to go and what to listen to. But when you're in that state of anger and disillusionment, yeah. you're not thinking straight. No. And so a lot of times I would just get on Google or I would get on YouTube and just type in worship mm -hmm. and, you know, just let it play and just let it wash over me because that's all I could do. There were other times where I had to be carried into his presence because I couldn't get there on my own. And that was either my husband or some close friends that I felt like I could text and just be completely honest with. Right. And, you know, there were times where my husband was frantically driving home because he was concerned about the state that I was in. Mm. But I had to get into a place where I could reach out to him and be like, babe, I cannot do this. I have to get to the presence of the Lord. Please help me. You know, and he would, he would take me into prayer. He would take me into church where I needed to be. He would turn on worship music. He would play somebody speaking and um, the word of God. We would um, put the Bible on audio. You know how they read yes. scripture yes. on the Bible app. Mm -hmm. And so we would turn that on and the Bible app would read, you know, to us. And so even in the times where I felt like I couldn't open my Bible, you know, I would even just open my Bible app and there's like a ton of plans in there. And so sometimes I would just type in encouragement into the search bar yeah. and just like read whatever scripture or whatever devotional was up on that. Um, and so that helped me. I, I got a prayer journal. And so I like to journal. I know a lot of people don't like to write, but for me, it's my outlet. And so I would just write viciously. <laughs> mm. I mean, like, it's one of those things where I hope nobody ever finds those journals if <laughs> anything would ever happen to me. But I'm like, please burn those if you ever oh find gosh. them, because it really was a, a, an outpouring of my heart and everything that I felt, the good, the bad, the ugly, because here's the thing, the Lord already knows. Yeah. So it's not like he can't handle what I feel. Yeah. But what's important is what I do with those feelings. I cast all my cares on him because he cares for me. I'm not going to take him back because if I take him back, I'm not really casting them on him. And in that he's not, be, he's not going to be able to heal me and work through me. If I just keep carrying the anger and the bitterness and the frustration um, and all of those things. But if I cast those cares on him, then he'll care for me. Right. Because I'm not taking it on my own. Right. 
And so I really had to get to a place of like, okay, if that meant journaling, because I'm mad at him, I don't really want to talk to him. But if I write it out, it it was like talking to him, you know, Mm -hmm. I could write to him. And it was almost like a prayer of basically throwing up a lot of times. Um, But the prayer journal really helped. And honestly, again, going back to the whole achiever doer thing, um, you know, whatever that strengths finders or Enneagram or whatever the personality test is, that's kind of what I am. I, I just like, to have something to do on my to-do list. And that's kind of how I function. And so I also had to be creative in my calling, like we talked about a little bit earlier. So because I couldn't, you know, go out and speak or do whatever, I would start microblogging on Instagram and just kind of like, okay, this is what the Lord has been showing me um, in his word. This is what I'm going through. Sometimes it, it wasn't very eloquent. Sometimes it was very transparent and very raw. Some of it was like, hey, look at the testimony of what God has done. Some of it was like, I'm still in the middle of this, guys. Could you please pray for me? Um, and so I think that when we start to do those things, too, we start to put a foot on the enemy because now he's not thwarting the work of God in us and through us. And so when we bring things out into the light, you know, the enemy can't work in that. But when we keep things inside of us, that's where it's a problem. And that's something I always say is like, have all the feels because God can handle it you know, get it out there, but then leave it there. Mm. Don't pick it up and take it with you. Be honest with how you feel, get it out in the light. So the Lord can do his thing to heal you and work through you. And then making the most of where you're at, you know, like we talked about earlier in Ephesians, like make the most of every season. And then also just remember that he's good, no matter what he's good. And he does good. And always remember that he's for you. He's with you. He's behind you. He's ahead of you. He's got you in the palm of his hand. That was beautiful. I mean, that's like a mic drop moment right there. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm totally all for journaling. Uh I I like how you threw that out there and using the Bible app is amazing because like you said, uh, if you just type in the word encouragement, you can type in the word anger or depression and several Bible plans come up. And I do like how you mentioned to listen to the Bible because there's sometimes where we're just so weary in our own stress where we're like, just someone just deliver it to me, just speak it over me. And sometimes, you know, the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing the word. So you don't have to necessarily read it. You can hear it. Hear it. And I like how you mentioned how you reached out to your husband. You know, I feel like a lot of women or just people in general are like, I can't reach out to somebody about this. I can't, I can't. What will they think? Right. Right. (laughs) And here you are reaching out to your husband. Here you are reaching out to your uh, friends on social media. And I just, I applaud you for that. And I, I want you to speak to, if you would, someone who, who also maybe had a, a condition like you're, is still going through physical limitations and are still at the request of other people, you know, not able to do their, their, they haven't gotten through the other side yet mm-hmm. and they're still in it. They're still in the physical limitation, which, you know, physical pain can bring on depression and anger right. and why, why me kind of feelings and what's the use kind of feelings. Mm-hmm. Can you speak to someone who maybe is still in that season of life and maybe hopeless, never thinking they're going to get out of it? Right. And let me just say to you, I am not a hundred percent physically. I still can't run. Um, I still can't sit on the floor or play with my son. Mm-hmm. Um, I still have problems when I sit for a long time, like on the couch or in a chair and get back up, it catches. Mm-hmm. Um, I still can't kneel during worship. And I've actually written down 
that as part of one of my goals this year is to be able to kneel in his presence. And I get emotional about that because that is something I long to be able to do. So I still have pain occasionally. Um, I'm the best meteorologist in my house because I can feel rain coming a mile away. <laughs> um, and so there's, there's, even though I'm not where I was, there is still a long way to go. And, and I also still battled those autoimmune issues um, that did not go away. And the pregnancy actually exacerbated a few things um, where I was diagnosed with something else um, after the pregnancy. And so it, it's not like I'm saying, oh, my goodness, everything is great. Right. Um, because it's not. I think we all, even Paul and it, people in the Bible, we all kind of have things, right, that we deal with, whether it's physical, whether it's emotional. I also battle depression, and that is something that is an active thing that I that I battle and that I go through. And so none of this, and I hope, you know, your listeners and anybody listening to this is like, oh, wow, she's got a perfect life. Great. Everything mm. is wrapped up. Mm-hmm. No, we mm-hmm. all go through things, mm-hmm. no matter how big a platform you have or small a platform you have or however insignificant you think you are um, or however many followers you have, whatever, it doesn't matter because Mm -hmm. we all go through things. We all have things that we battle. And I think the beauty of the Lord and the beauty of what Jesus did on the cross is not only for our salvation, but he also took our iniquities. He took our transgressions. Mm-hmm. He, he bore on him our healing. Yes. And so whether I see that healing on this side of heaven or not, I will continue to praise him. I will continue to glorify him. I will continue to speak of his greatness and his goodness in my life. I will continue to share about his mercy and his grace and his love and his forgiveness and his provision. And just everything that makes him so amazing. Because what he did on the cross, if he never does anything else for me ever again, that is more than enough Mm. of what he did. And so no matter what, yet will I praise him. And I'm going through the story of Job right now, like I'm reading through it. And I'm reading through it with um, this devotional that I have. And it is like eye-opening to see what that dude went through. And he still praised the Lord. He still was like, I will not walk away from him. Yet will I still praise him. Right. And I'm, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I mean, I just go back to that and I'm just like, you know what, Father, I'm still going to continue to praise you. Like I said, I'm not going to worry so much about the outcome of it, right? I can't worry about the end and what it's going to happen. I can't base my joy, my belief, um, my life on whether I'm going to see that healing. But what I can do is make the most of the journey that I'm on. And what I can do is kick the devil's butt as much as I can with what I've got. And as much as I can, I'm going to tell of his goodness because my children are watching me. Mm -hmm. My marriage depends on it. My joy depends on it. My life depends on it. And so instead of focusing on the bad, Mm -hmm. like really focusing on the good, because we do all have something good that we can focus on. And that is, I think, the key to it. I like that. There is so, there is at least one thing. I mean, there's several more things. Um, And I know everyone's in their own situation so I can't speak on everybody but um I like that you hold a thankful heart regardless of the outcome I think that speaks to somebody out there listening that 
what do you mean I can't know the outcome? And what do you mean? Like, I mean, for you to have your doctor diagnose you and say, you might not even be able to walk six to nine months after you deliver. And you're like, what? Right. I mean, that has to be some type of uh, sentence, some type of health sentence that nobody wants to hear. Right. And it's the unknown. I think that's what taught me was like, oh, wow, for the first time in my life, I really have no control over what's going to happen. And so I either can choose to just shrivel up and die. Mm -hmm. Right. And then I'm not being a mom to my children. And then what kind of impact is that going to have on my children? I'm not being a wife to my husband. What kind of impact is that going to be on my marriage? And then I'm not being a light to the people that I know around me that don't know the Lord. So what is that going to tell them about who God is? Mm. And so it's not just about me. You know, my obedience to what God is asking of me can truly impact someone else's eternity. Yes. And when we start seeing things in the light of eternity and heaven and hell, that there is a lost and a dying world out there. And as a follower and believer of Christ, my number one responsibility is to know him and to make him known. That is ultimately what I think we should focus on to help us get through this. Absolutely. And that's just so fitting that you say all this because of this say so podcast, right? Just Mm -hmm. let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let's declare his goodness. A lot of people would prefer like, I just keep going back to you, what you said, you're sitting in church with your arms crossed. There's no better um, image of someone in anger or refusing to be like, believe that this is all real. I mean, you were, like you said, you were sitting there in church, arms crossed. This is all, this isn't real. This isn't real. And I, I pray that now what I'm, I, you said that you can't kneel in worship and that's one of your goals to get back to kneeling in worship. I'm just, I assume that you are no longer sitting in church with your arms crossed, but actually they're extended palms upward facing out, like to receive everything. Yes. And I just think, man, what a story of redemption is arms crossed. I don't accept this to give me everything you have. Keep me in your presence. Palms up. I am taking what you have. Yes. Because he is sufficient enough for us in our weakness. We are, we are strong in him. He is strong in us. I love it. Exactly. Exactly. Karen, I I thank you so much. I appreciate you so much for coming on my show. Where can people find you? Well, I'm mainly on Instagram at Karen Harmon 360 360. And I also have a website, www.karenharmon360.com. And then I also have a Facebook page, which is also Karen Harmon 360. (laughs) One of my things that I love, enjoy, love and enjoy doing is actually responding on DMs. And I know that I can't always get to everybody. So there are some that I don't respond to that are just like, Hey, you know, I loved you on the podcast and I may respond with just like a thank you or a heart or something like that. (laughs) Um, Like when people ask for prayer or something like that, that's something I do take seriously. and, And I definitely love being able to shoot a quick prayer um, to them or just say that, you know, I just did say a prayer for them um, or even just like things practically speaking, if I'm not able to answer it or if it's above my quote unquote pay grade, like finding people <laughs> that are actually experts in that area and pointing you to that because I don't know everything and I'm learning as well too, um, especially from a theological standpoint. And there's definitely people that I follow 
um, that, you know, have a better answer than me. But yes, I love interacting and responding because I'm in that stage of the babyhood um, and the toddler. I don't get to travel much. I don't get to speak much. And so again, being creative in that calling of like, I can still be um, the hands and feet of Jesus and I can Mm -hmm. still minister his word. And it may just be on DMs right now and private messages. And I love that one-on-one. I love to be able to do that. So yes, please reach out. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for being on the Say So podcast, Karen. It was a pleasure having you. Loved being with you. Wow. What a story of encouragement. Karen truly found pleasure in her trouble. She was able to seek the Lord, get closer to him, and thank God for the trouble. And she brought us practical ways that she was able to do that. I should have warned you guys, she's chock full of information. I hope you were taking notes, but if not, go back and listen again and write down everything she said. Please do it. Also, share this with a friend. Someone else needs to hear this. Just click share right now. Don't even think about it. Also, if you're enjoying the Say So podcast, please subscribe today to stay up to date with more stories of redemption. Also, leave a review on iTunes and please reach out to me at Jeannie Terry Official. That's on Instagram, Jeannie Terry Official. And if there's a topic you want to hear, then say so. I want to hear it too. Let's do this together. Until next time, peace and blessings. Peace and blessings.